Hello, and welcome to the seventh episode of How to Hold a Pencil. My name is Ruben Ingber, and I'll be your host. It's 2014, and I'm looking forward to a year full of amazing shows. I've booked some awesome guests for the first eight weeks of the year, and I can't wait to share their stories with you. Uh, Before we get to today's guest, I want to thank the more than 400 of you who listened to the final show of the year uh, with Jennifer DeWalt. And if you haven't had a chance to check it out, I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, I'd also like to thank Gary Vaynerchuk, also known as at Gary V, who generously uh, sent me a new microphone for the show. Um, and I'm really grateful to it because it's making the show even better. And if you're interested in all things social media, then check out his new book, uh, Jab, Jab, Right Hook, which I'll also link to uh, in the notes. Uh, enough with the introduction. Let's get into today's show. Joining me from Philadelphia is Zoe Rooney, who's a front-end developer who taught herself how to do it. Zoe, welcome to the show. And for our guests, uh, for our listeners who don't know who you are, can you give me a you know a brief introduction of who you are, what you do? Sure thing. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you about front-end development and all things web. Um, like you said, my name is Zoe. I currently live in Philadelphia, although I grew up in Seattle. Um, and I came to Philadelphia by way of North Carolina, so I've sort of been all over the place. I am a front-end developer. I mostly work with designers, so I get my client work through designers, uh, work with their clients, and I basically get to take really awesome designs from really awesome designers and bring them to life, mostly using WordPress and Shopify. Um, So I do a lot of small info sites, blogs, small e-commerce sites, things like that with some really awesome partners. So that's what I get to do. It's really, it's fun. That's great. So I know, I know you're a front end developer full time, but I think it's really interesting to ask people, uh, when you were a kid, what, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like, did you see design or development in your future? Yeah, that's funny. I did not um, by, by any means see designer development in my future. I think I think I went through a lot of different things I wanted to be as a kid. Um, one of them was a lawyer. I really liked to argue a lot Who when I was a kid. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, and I, and I, I thought that I was a pretty good arguer, so I thought it would be fun to be a lawyer. Um, that was one of them. I, I also thought for a while that I would be... Um, a teacher, and I actually was a teacher for a brief while, um, but development really never crossed my mind as, as a sort of full-time job, which is funny because that's where I find myself now. So what made you sort of make that switch like to whatever you were doing before development to you know doing development full-time? Yeah, so I was actually um, an art major in college. Um, I started out thinking I would do the lawyer thing at that point, and didn't really enjoy those types of classes and found myself really enjoying art classes in part because there weren't any exams or papers to write or things like that. Uh, There was a lot of time in the studio, which was fun. So I ended up being an art major um, and took some graphic design type classes through that. I had also just always liked kind of playing around in code. So I started playing with HTML and CSS, um, I guess HTML first way back in tables um, and then you know, adding CSS as it sort of came out, it was just sort of a fun thing to play around with for me. Um, and it, when I was taking graphic design classes, I did a short internship with someone who was doing web design, and that's how I sort of started to get back into it again and to see it as a viable thing that I could do as a, at that time, a, a sort of side job. Um, and then after college, I went into education and found myself wanting a creative outlet on the side. So I really loved teaching and I loved being in the classroom, but it was a very structured day. Um, and it, it 
was creative in its own way, but that kind of the same visual creativeness that I, I really wanted. And so I found my way back into web design first, actually, and then realized that um, development was a, a really great kind of focus for me for a couple of reasons. One being that there aren't as many or there weren't as many in the, the niche that I work in, good developers. So big opening in the market was one reason. And then the other is that um, I have two two very small children, and I am um, tired a lot of the time. And, and I find it a lot easier to do development, to think through those kinds of problems on a, on a tired brain, whereas design I just I cannot do when I'm tired. So <laughs> a couple of words like that, but it's also just I really love the problems and the problem solving, which I think I hear a lot from other developers too. No, that, that's so true. So I I, I hear that you um, that you study design or art, and you know you had the design background. I'm wondering, yeah. you know, what did your, you know, I know that you started learning development uh, long ago in '97, um, mm-hmm. and I'm one from your blog. I know that, um, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering what what did your lessons sort of look like? Like, how did you teach yourself? What tools did you use? I think I'm, I'm one of those early GeoCities people, for one. <laughs> I don't. I was trying to think the other day. I found somewhere online, I'll have to look it up again, where you can find um, some of those old, old GeoCities pages, I think. But I have <laughs> no idea where mine would be or what it was called, which is kind of a bummer. Did you or have lots of stars and horseshoes all over the place? I'm sure. I'm sure I did. I'm sure it was terrifying in <laughs> retrospect. Um, so maybe good that I can't look it up anymore. So definitely through that, um, you know, spatial kind of things to me have always come pretty easily. And I really think that, that especially HTML is a very spatial thing in terms of thinking about space on the page and, and areas of the page. Um, but I definitely it was, I, I also did some Dreamweaver stuff um, a little bit later, which I think was good in terms of understanding the interactivity of a website although not so good in terms of understanding the qualities of good code necessarily. So so just sort of piecing things together, a lot of time spent just searching online. I don't know that I ever, you know, sat down and read any books start to finish, which I rarely do anyway in anything, but a lot of just reading tutorials, a lot of just messing around in code editors and seeing what came up and seeing what things didn't work and trying something else, that kind of thing. You know, I think a lot of people still go that route and still find ways to learn development by just, you know, Googling their way through it. Um, but, you know, yeah. clearly today there's tons of different um, ways to learn, whether it's online alone or code schools or boot camps or whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, how do you think um, the fact that there's much easier ways to learn now than there were then, how do you think that impacts people setting out um, do you think people have an advantage now, or do you think people might be at a disadvantage? I think um, I know that you wrote about it in a blog post about how there's the web changes so much now that and so quickly that it's fairly hard to learn. Um, but I'm wondering mm-hmm. how the new landscape of learning, you know, whether it's Treehouse or Thinkful or anything else like that, has impacted it. Yeah, that's a great question. I I think I'm kind of torn on that. I think. I do think it is a lot harder to learn from zero to get to get to be what I would consider like proficient or proficient advanced in development, and, be, and that's because there is so much to learn that um, I, I think you really have to dedicate a lot of time to it, and it's hard for people to find that time. It's hard for anyone to find that time. So I do think that that is a big challenge. That um, if you want to really build a lot of client websites, at least in the small business blogger market that I work in. 
you are going to need to know HTML and CSS really well. You're also going to need to work with a content management system, whether that's WordPress or something else. And that involves its own kind of templating language knowledge, maybe some PHP. And then there's a there's data layer jQuery and then any other kind of processing that you want to do with your CSS. And it just is, there's a lot of stuff. So I think it, I think it is um, really hard for people who are just starting now to build in enough time to learn all of that stuff and put it all together into a functional package. I do think it's, it's nice that there are so many really good resources out there. Uh, but I, I also think that that can be challenging in terms of filtering through them and finding the ones that work for each person and, um, you know, sticking to a schedule. I just, I just think there's a lot, which is really great in, in some ways, but I don't know that it really makes the overall process of learning easier other than that there are resources out there. Of course. And now you mentioned schedule and, you know, finding the time. Did you, when you were first learning, um, did you stick to a typical schedule to, you know, sort of learn? Like, did you say, I know that I have all these, all this work to do, but I'm going to spend two hours every day or whatever, or was it kind of just a hodgepodge? And do you, do you think that having, you know, scheduling blocks of time, um, would be an effective way to learn? Uh, I do think it, I do think it would be effective. I, when I was first learning, I was, you know, like middle school, high school age. So it was just sort of, you know, when I didn't have other things to do. But thinking about building in WordPress specifically, that came in, uh, I built that knowledge later, um, probably towards the end of college into freelancing even. And that was something where I would more schedule um, sort of, like a, I would say like a week where I didn't do it full time, but I spent a lot of time really in depth, maybe even a couple of days where I spent a lot of time over a couple of days really in depth just trying to bang out an entire custom theme. Um, and that really works for me better than scheduling time over a number of days. That's, I think a, my that's exactly how really I learned WordPress. I was like, I sat yeah. down and I said, I need, I, somebody had asked me, uh, I was on a job interview and they said, do you know how to build WordPress sites? And I said, um, I do, but, uh, <laughs> yes. I, you know, I'll figure it out. Um, and I spent the next two weeks building the website for this podcast and a mm-hmm. random portfolio for someone. And now I build multiple WordPress sites. Um, yeah. Learning by fire, I think is really the way that I learn best is saying, yes, I can do that. And then, and then having to learn. I think, I think it's something that is characteristic of the development world. Um, mm-hmm. You know, learning by fire being like, sure, I can build you an e-commerce site. And then yeah. you get home and you're like, I guess I'm now an e-commerce developer. Yeah, exactly. I think that that is the great thing about there being so many resources is that you can sort of feel a bit more confident saying that, knowing that pretty much any problem that you're going to come across, um, there's going to be a solution to it or a piece of a solution to it somewhere published, whether it's on a blog or a documentation, it'll it'll be out there already someplace. Um, or there'll be some things that will get you going in the right direction someplace. So that is a great thing. So, you know, we're talking about this whole learning by fire thing, but I think it's uh, it's one of the things that, although it's a great part of learning development and stuff, I think it's one of the things that could be a little less motivating. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, for you, what's kept you motivated to keep going, to keep building your skills? I know that from these conversations and from conversations with developers all the time, you're always learning. There's always something you need to figure out or, you know, find. Like this week at work, I'm learning uh, how to use Twig, which is a new... Uh, uh, syntax and I've never used it before and I'm, you know, learning how to do it. And that, that's keeping me motivated because it's something new. I'm wondering what motivates you. 
I think it's pretty similar. I, 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 one thing I think is that I'm just innately competitive, um, and if I and I I see things and want to be able to do them myself. Um, so that's one piece of it where you know I'll see some website with a feature, and I was actually just thinking about this and commenting on a post by um, Dan Mall on his blog that was about how to get the work you want. Um, I think it, he published it last week. I'll, I'll look up the link for you. It was a great, great post. And we'll, we we'll definitely include that in the notes. Yeah, we had this. There was this great conversation in the comments too about um, he was writing about about following the work of people you admire, and he was talking more from a design perspective. And it really made me think about how one of the things I do a lot is I'll, I'll look at the sites that people that developers I admire have built, and you know, you'll, when you do that, you see some little piece of the site that catches your eye. And the great thing about code is that you can look at the source and you can start to kind of figure out how they did it. Um, so that's one piece that has kind of really pushed me forward, especially with some of the newer CSS3, HTML5 stuff. When I start to see people doing cool stuff with that, I really want to be able to do it myself. Um, so that's that's a big one. And then I also think that, that the bar, the high bar of designers I've been able to work with recently keeps pushing me because I, they are such great designers that they come up with these really incredible ideas and they're not... Um, restricting themselves based on what can be done necessarily in code, and and I don't really ever want to say no, we can't do that unless I really really have to. So that pushes me a lot too to to think about with this design really what can we do to make this happen while also making it happen in a way that the end client can maintain the site because that's also really important to me. And that kind of intersection of of really cool design and client maintenance really pushes me hard <laughs> to do to do things um, that are well done and that are integrating WordPress in cool ways and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm also interested in, you know, I know you got started young, but I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what type of roadblocks you hit, you know, along your path. I know you started young building GeoCity sites like so many people, mm-hmm. and then, you know, later in life you started doing WordPress. I'm wondering, you know, what, you know, what type of speed bumps did you hit? And, you know, if you picked one or two, like, how did you overcome them? Um, yeah, I think um, WordPress itself was, was it can be a challenge in a lot of ways. Um, I I didn't really know any PHP, and I know a lot of people can get through WordPress themes without necessarily knowing PHP itself. And I would definitely not say that I am any kind of expert in PHP as, as its own language. But um, I did find it challenging when I wanted to do some of those little bits and pieces that were really customized. And I wasn't finding the the pieces that I needed in WordPress. Um, I think the way I approach any of those challenges is just to research the heck out of it. Like you said before with Google, um, Google is, is my friend. <laughs> and I spent a lot of time just looking through information and looking through documentation and thinking about um, ways that you can approach the problem differently in your head. Because I think when I get stuck, is when I have a too narrow view of what the problem is and I'm trying to, you know, like when you're Googling and you don't even know what words to Google, that kind of problem. Uh, and so with WordPress, for a lot of things, for me, it has been looking at, well, I could look at just the codex and the WordPress documentation, but if I start looking outside that, looking at what I can do with PHP around the, the WordPress functions and things like that, it gives me a lot more room and flexibility to just sort of innovate and build cool little pieces that don't only depend on WordPress, um, but are, are wider than that. So it really is just the research and sort of looking around and saying, 
well, this is the outcome I want. I think a lot of developers will tell you that there are a lot of ways to get to any outcome. So that flexibility and figuring out what the problem is and what the solutions could look like is how I usually get around any problem. And that's been true of other languages too and other problems true. When I've started building in uh, more jQuery functionality, it's been a really similar thing where a lot of the time I don't exactly know what I'm looking for until I spend a lot of time reading around the problem <laughs> and then it gets me closer to it. No, I think I think that's some really great advice. I think that a lot of people don't realize how important how important it is to seek out answers. And you know, just because somebody asks you if something can be done, and you don't know how to do it, it doesn't necessarily mean it can't be done. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, you mentioned Google and you mentioned other websites. Um, mm -hmm. I'm wondering how much of an influence. I know for me that like there are communities online, whether it's Stack Overflow or a couple of Facebook mm -hmm. groups that you and I both happen to be members of. You know, mm -hmm. how much does the community um, has played a role in your development as a developer, as weird as that might sound? <laughs> yeah, it, um, I, I definitely reference some of the like the WordPress answers sites and the Stack Overflow sites when, again, when they solve a problem that I'm looking for or when they have a part of a solution to a problem. Uh, I reference them, you know, in my regular everyday Googling, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, I, I don't feel like I had a ton of support from any kind of community as I was learning. And uh, I think that's changed a little bit more recently as there have been more of those communities. Um, but I do feel really strongly about building those communities uh, for other people who are learning. And I, it's something that I dedicate a pretty good amount of energy to, both through, that's, that's part of what I'm trying to do with my blog, and then also through participating in things like Girl Develop It, which is a organization that I um, spend a lot of time with here in Philly. Can you tell that, us a little more about Girl Develop It? Yeah, Girl Develop It is awesome. There are chapters all over the country, and it's an organization that puts on in-person coding classes. Um, they're, they're targeted for women, but they are actually open to men as well. Um, and are, they cover all kinds of topics. They are uh, in-person, either over a weekend, a couple weekend days, or a couple evenings. And um, all kinds of topics. So I did one on uh, Photoshop for web design. And then I also did an intermediate HTML and CSS class here in Philly. There are a whole range of topics, WordPress, um, databases, Git, all kinds of stuff. And it, it's in multiple cities and expanding all the time. That's so, so great. It's really I think... cool. Yeah, it's great. It's, and there's a really good in-person community kind of building. Nice to be in a room with people. Um, learning some of these things and, and practicing them no for sure I, I i agree with that 100 i think and you know even if you don't even if you're just starting out i think attending something like that or any of the tech meetups throughout the city you know throughout the country um can be really mm -hmm. helpful you never know who you're going to meet at these events and talk to and stuff um yeah so and that's actually how i found one of my i have a couple of part-time employees and i found uh, my first employee um, who's actually currently on maternity leave. She, I found her through Girl Develop It, too. So it's a really great way. I know multiple people in the chapter here who, who have found jobs through their involvement. So it's a great way to build that sort of career network, too. So I want to switch gears just a little bit um, and talk to you a little about your web design business, um, just mm -hmm. a little, um, because I think that's you know could be helpful to people who are learning and trying to figure out yeah. what they want to do. Um, so what's it like running your own web development business. I know it's a small team. I think it's mm -hmm. like four people, if I'm not mistaken. Um, including me, it's four. Including three, you. So Three part-time, yeah, three part-timers and then me. So I'm wondering what's it like, you know, what, you know, just a little, I know we don't have a ton of time, but I want to know a little bit about it. Yeah, it's, it's, 
it's weird. <laughs> um, it's it's weird being a, an employer of people, <laughs> um, including myself, because I paid myself over payroll, which was a weird shift to make. But uh, it's it's great because one of the things that I, I really am trying hard not to grow out of is the client base that I get to work with. So I have this this sort of niche that I really love which is these small creative businesses and bloggers and people who are just doing really cool stuff. And it's, um, and it, it, the re- one of the reasons I love it is because they are people who really love beautiful websites. <laughs> so it's great for me because I get to build these really beautiful things. Um, but it's also hard because those are, those are small businesses. Usually, usually they're, you know, like one or two person businesses themselves and the budgets aren't enormous. So it's been really hard. Um, as I think about sort of, scaling my business or not scaling my business and pricing and all those crazy things that go along with freelancing or any business. Um, it's been hard to figure out what that should look like. And, um, it's been exciting because as I've been able to grow my business by hiring part-time people that has let me do more with the time I have, um, without needing to go crazy with my prices and price out the people I want to work with. Uh, it's been hard though because it's you know I have to I'm still learning how to manage people. <laughs> I don't know that I'm that great at that. Um, I'm still trying to figure out the scheduling thing, which is always a challenge for everyone. I think um, so. It's definitely been a challenge, but it, it's it's good too. I, I I definitely I love that my people who work with me are part time actually, and that's. Um, that's been really important because it, it means that they have sort of their own stuff going on and their own passions. Um, one of my employees, Marina, the one who's out on leave right now, is also a stained glass artist, wow. which is really cool. Which is really cool. Uh, another one, um, my assistant, Brianne, is, is starting her own paper goods business, which is awesome. So it's just cool because then people are bringing more to the table than if all they were doing was the same thing as me <laughs> every day. <laughs> so what so it's inv- been cool to see that. What advice would you give to someone who's, you know, who is, who has learned web development, has built a bunch of sites and sort of says, you know what, I want to do this more full time. What advice would you give to them, you know, trying to start that business? Um, I think definitely like we were talking about before, building that community is key. Um, I feel really fortunate that I get more inquiries than I can take on projects. And I have a list of people who I, who I (laughs) send their names out and I can't take projects and I say I can't do it, but here are some really great people. And that list is constantly changing, and it's based on people whose work I've seen, people who I connect with on Twitter. Um, I don't want to send potential clients to someone who I don't think is going to do right by their site. So it's totally based on that network. So I think I think making those network connections can be really big in terms of building more business mm-hmm. through referrals. I think there are, I know a lot of developers especially in the Shopify market right now, who don't have the time for all the inquiries they get. So that's a big, a big networking community one. So Shopify um, is something I think, should learn. Yeah, yeah, learn Shopify. Um, I also think um, one of the things that Dan talked about in that blog post I mentioned was um, making sure that your portfolio reflects where you want to be with your work, even if that means you are building things that you want to build that are not client-focused. Uh, because because your portfolio is really what people are going to look at when they decide if your work meets what they want, and and it needs to be uh, that it meets what they want and that it meets what you want. So I'm pretty fierce about editing down my portfolio to reflect my favorite things that are the things I want to work on more, and I think that everyone should do that. 
a lot. And if it's not client projects, I think that's okay. It really is probably more important that it reflects what you want to do than anything else. That's some, that's some really sound advice, especially on the portfolio note, because I think so many people, um, and myself included, are very concerned when they're first starting out, like, what do I put in my portfolio? I don't have anything. But in reality, you can build anything you want and put it in your portfolio. So I think um, I think it's a great way to get started. I'm wondering, you know, on the same note, and I think this is something um, that new developers, people who, you know, have the skills are always a little bit concerned about. And I think anybody would be, um, how do you figure out your, you know, how did you figure out your pricing model when you first started your, your business? And how did you, you know, I know that probably changes over time and, you know, nothing is set in stone, but I, you know, I'm wondering how yeah. you, how you came to it a little bit. Uh, some of it was through research. So looking around at other people working in, again, the field that I, I wanted to be working with, uh, with the clients I want to be working with and seeing what I could dig up about what they are charging, which is limited, but there's some stuff out there. Um, some of it was also figuring out how long it takes me to build a site. Um, so it is my, my pricing is roughly based on an hourly rate, and then it is roughly <laughs> multiplied by the number of hours I expect something to take me. Uh, like I say roughly because I'm not that great about checking my timing and adjusting. <laughs> I, think that's some, I think that's something we all deal with. <laughs> right. But that's, that's the general idea of how I price my work. Um, and then that hourly rate is, is based on what I see in the market. And then it's also based on the value that I think I bring. So like you said, it has increased over time and that is, has more to do with the fact that as I've been doing this longer, I feel like I bring more value, more background knowledge, all that kind of stuff to the table. Of course. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, if you could go back to the person you were when you first, not when you first started learning, but, um, when you first sort of set out on this path to do it full time, um, mm -hmm. if you could go back to that person and tell them one thing now, um, what would it be? Ooh, that is a great question. Um, make friends with designers. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's kind of a joke, but it's kind of bad because, um, it's, it, that's been the best possible thing for me uh, as someone who, uh, you know, I, I've designed a couple of the sites in my portfolio, but most of them are other designers. That's been huge for me. Um, I also would say, uh, <laughs> there's a, a podcast, um, the shop talk show. And one of the things they say a lot in that podcast is just build websites um, and that I think is a hundred million percent true. Just build things. And it goes back to, you know, your portfolio reflecting what you want to be doing. The more you build, the better you'll get, the more that your work will reflect what you want your work to be like. Um, and so just keep, just keep building and it'll, it'll get where you want it to be. No, that, that's fantastic advice. I think a lot of people, you know, get to a point where they're like, I don't know what to build anymore, but you got to keep pushing forward and uh, keep doing it. Um, yeah, or so, just try out, you know, random features in your site. Like, I'm constantly messing with random small things in my site. I know. I, um, I happen to love your website, for the record. Oh, um, thanks. It's fantastic. I particularly love the hover uh, stuff that you have <laughs> going on. I know that's a J, uh, JavaScript plugin that you're using, but I think okay. they're fantastic. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I, I mess with uh, all kinds of stuff all the time on my website. You know, like, I'll see, like... I decided, I think, earlier this week that the the link font was different, which was a design feature. Meg Lewis from Ghostly Farms designed my site. Um, and 
bless her heart, because working with me, I'm sure, is not fun for any designer when it's my own design that they're working on. Uh, but I decided all of a sudden that I didn't like the links anymore, <laughs> so I changed them again. Uh, but it's just, you know, that kind of thing where that you can play with transitions in CSS3, right, and say, like, oh, well, what could I do that might be cool with transitioning my links on Hover so that it's not, you know, a quick flip. Just just playing with stuff like that is is really the best way to keep learning. Yeah, I mean, your your own website should be your own playground. Um, totally. So, so what is, um, the you know, in the last couple of minutes that we have, what is the the favorite your favorite website that you've built? Whether it was you know something for your personal whatever or for business, what's the favorite thing you've worked on? Ooh, um, I have a lot. I'm trying to think of a single favorite. One of them is um, funny because it's actually not one that I did most of the the work on. Um, I was when I was doing my sort of year interview from last year, I counted up and. I, I launched something like 75 websites, and that's that's just the full projects. It doesn't include tweaks or updates or things like that. And and the vast majority of those I still built completely myself. Um, I had my team work on a lot of stuff, but most of the sites I still built. But the one that's actually my favorite is the one that I did the least direct work on. <laughs> uh, and that's part of the reason I love it is because I just feel really great about um being able to kind of guide someone to build something so awesome. And that's the Scouted NYC site, um, which is a, it's a field called Field Guides for New York City. And that's one of Mick's, Mick Lewis's designs mm-hmm. as well. Um, and it's a bunch of sort of city guides by interesting people. And she's actually spinning it to other cities soon, which I think will be really cool. Oh, that's really cool. Um, but yeah, but my, my one of my developers, Kim, um, who's actually a undergraduate student in computer science right now and who applied for a position that she was actually not qualified for, but was so awesome in her application that I hired her anyway. <laughs> uh, she was the lead developer on this and, and it was, it's awesome. She's a, a jQuery a JavaScript whiz. Um, and it really comes through in this site and it was just, it was just cool to collaborate in that way and to sort of manage someone through building a site um, and to help her learn a lot of stuff that she hadn't known before. And I, and I absolutely love the end result. It's, it's cool. It's responsive. It's got cool, you know, animations and transitions. It's just a fun, and the content's great. It's a fun site. That's awesome. We'll definitely include a link to it in the show notes. Um, so what are you working on right now? You know, like what's the project of the moment? Uh, if you could share it with us. Yeah, I am working on a bunch of stuff. One that I'm really excited about that is going to be uh, launching pretty soon is another Shopify site um, for Society Social, which is a like home goods furniture store where it's, I say this about some of my favorite sites, but I run into this problem where I'm like browser testing and then I end up actually shopping instead of browser <laughs> testing. Um, and this is one of those sites where I <laughs> everything. Um, so that that's a fun one that's coming up. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I have any others that I'm ready to mention yet. I usually don't I don't actually specify this with clients ever, but I usually don't talk about sites until they launch. Just I don't know if it's a superstition or what it is. <laughs> uh, but that one is that one is coming up soon. No, that's that's I, I I can buy that as a legit uh uh a legit uh website that's coming out. Um so final question um before we wrap up. Um where can we find you on the internet? 
Oh, you can find me well, on my website, which is zoeyrooney.com. Um, and then I spend the most time of any social network on Twitter. <laughs> I'm on there a lot. <laughs> um, so that's a, a good place to, to find me and to chat. And I love, I love chatting with people there and answering questions and, you know, just talking about all kinds of nonsense on Twitter. Um, so those are the main places to find me. Uh, you can also find me if you're in the Philadelphia area at Girl Develop It. Um, we're going to be doing some more classes with them over the coming year. So that's another place to where we can, we can meet up. Wonderful. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me on the show for the first episode of 2014 um, and taking some time out to speak with me. Um, Of course. Happy New Year. Yes. Happy New Year to you. Um, I read your uh, I read your 2014 post or 2013 into 2014 post. um, And I wish you luck in everything that you're doing this year. Um, So that's our show for tonight, everyone. I want to thank my guest, Zoe Rooney. We'll be back next week. Uh, with another exciting show on Wednesday. And I can't wait for you guys to hear the rest of the shows we got coming up. We have Ryan Carson, uh, Josh Long, uh, the guys from the founder and CEO of Thinkful, um, and so many other great guests. Um, I am at Ruben Ingber on Twitter. You can find us at www.howtoholdapencil.com. Subscribe in iTunes, rate it in iTunes if you can, um, and see you on the internet. <laughs>